So that's what I'm saying. The text is like an object. It's gonna change perspective based on where you're standing. I don't know. Hello? Can you hear me? Can you hear me? I missed you, baby sweet. It was a day. Hmm? It was a day. Please tell me you're seeing this too. From Seattle, we are drinking the movies. I'm Taylor Baker. And I'm Michael Clausen. All right. What do we have for first impressions today? We are going to cover the film Stockholm, featuring Ethan Hawke and Numi Rapace, as well as... The Art of Self-Defense, starring Jesse Eisenberg. Uh, let's dig into Stockholm. Let's do it. Ask him what they want. He's asking what you want. I want him here in 10 minutes, or I shoot you in the face and then hang up. Don't. He wants you here in 10 minutes, or he shoots me in the face. Was he surprised? I mean, did he sound surprised? All right, we just watched the trailer for Stockholm. First impressions, what do you got? I am very pleasantly surprised by the prospect of this film. There you go. Like, it's got a solid floor of a three with a heart to me. Like, mm. I'm calling my shot right now. I'm going to at least have liked watching it. How about you? Not going to regret it. Exactly. There you go. It's one I will show up for the uh cast alone right i like both uh ethan hawk and numi rapace that's mm -hmm. how you say it right yep um i don't know that the filmmaking looks particularly uh distinctive to Agreed. me it's kind of commercial and broad but um almost merchanty yeah yeah i'd say that um but uh it still looks fun um no uh no major concerns i just don't know that as you would say it it might not soar but uh Three with a heart? That seems like a safe bet. Right? Yeah. That's just a movie with a solid floor. It's got Mark Strong in there as well. Didn't expect oh, to yeah. see him. Yeah. Um, these just look like fun characters for these actors to play. Yeah. And a project that couldn't have taken more than, you know, a three-week shoot, I would imagine. Yeah. Yeah. It just, uh, this is the type of stuff that I expect to see churned out more often. Now mm. that there's streaming competition, like just fun... Yeah genre exercises where the performers can really make a movie carry on word of mouth mm. and i think that this might be one of those things where it just turns into a cult like action comedy fun time not quite yeah. to the level of game night but something where you're yeah. just like yeah we can have this on and, and watch it or you know yeah. like great excuse to go get drinks with a friend type of a movie you just drop in and you spend some time with these characters and you're done and that's just fine and hey, if it's bad, the title will make it good. <laughs> there you go. You can move on and they'll be like, oh yeah, that was the point. <laughs> Looks good. Let's get on to the next one. What's it called? The Art of Self-Defense. Starring Jesse Eisenberg and that's... This is your belt. It is yours. It is sacred. There'll be a $15 charge to replace a lost belt. The Art of Self-Defense. Starring Jesse Eisenberg with uh, assistant performance, perhaps hard to say by the trailer by Imogen Poots. What do you think, Michael? Um, I'm mixed off the trailer alone. I've never been the biggest Jesse Eisenberg fan myself. Um, I think he's at his best with Fincher. Probably, yeah. Um, you know, he he kind of has that awkward neurotic thing down. I just I don't particularly. It doesn't do a whole lot for me. This is a film that just seems to it, it keeps popping up on my radar and keeps getting 
I keep hearing positive things. I don't know where it played. I think South by Southwest. Um, but um, I'm not sure that I'm particularly psyched just off this teaser alone. Um, what about you? That encapsulates my thoughts to mm. a T. I can't see myself getting out of the house to go see this movie in a theater. Um, if the official trailer has a lot more Imogen Poots screen time, then maybe. I think that she's a really talented actress and has had a, a very low output for the last two years. Um, mm. So I I think kind of since her green room, I, I think she had five or six movies come out that same year. Um, one with Michael Shannon, um, Lola can't remember what it was called oh yeah frank and lola frank and lola kind of a lolita spinoff um i i just can't see myself getting out of the house to see this or seeing it to be honest there you go (laughs) understandable yeah i if anything i'm just curious about why it has been popping up on my radar given what we're seeing um so i'm i'm curious about what what it is that people have um what has appealed to people about it but or if knows? the festivals were so bad that that rose to the top which sometimes, sometimes that happens. does happen yeah yeah um it's all it's all relative <laughs> it is all right let's uh get into the frontier the triple frontier we need to hunt quickly you cannot say they will find us it's always a little harder than you think it's gonna be like that. This is not what I signed up for. A lot of people are going to come after you. So we go through. That's right. We've been waiting for J.C. Chandor's follow-up to, geez, what was his last film? Was it um, A Most Violent Year? I think that's right. Uh, For five years. Five years percolating on this project before it finally came together. I think it was originally attached to Brad Pitt and Leonardo DiCaprio when it first entered um, production and then was, I think, going to be financed by Harvey Weinstein and then lost Mm. production and then was kind of in purgatory and he just kept trying to love it back to life and he eventually got it made with uh, Oscar Isaac, um, Ben Affleck, Garrett Hedlund, and Charlie Hunnam. Yeah, as the the four mains. Pedro Pascal. Pedro Pascal. Come on. Sorry, sorry, I forgot. God. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Five mains. Yeah, five mains. Yeah, it's been yeah. a while. My yeah, bad. big cast. I don't. I know we did first impressions on it. I don't think it made either of our uh, most expected or most no. anticipated of twenty eighteen. I don't think it made my top ten. I'd have yeah. to check. It was kind of on my big list. Yeah. Um, at one point. So uh, we were both pretty psyched about it. Yeah, that trailer was a great trailer. (laughs) the The thing about this movie is it's not an action movie; it's a moralistic tale. And Mm. while there are three, I think, just classic, great all time action filmmaking scenes, Mm. there's a lot in the middle that I just kind of think of as chuff. Just and I I don't find I didn't find the screenplay to ever be good as far mm. as the words talked at other characters mm. I thought that was the particular downfall whereas like the the great parts are i think the chase scenes at the end and at the beginning when oscar isaac is chasing um his informant 
I thought that was just incredible filmmaking on the move. Oh, yeah. I thought the end chase scene in the vehicle, where the vehicle is being um, hunt, uh, pursued uh, while they're trying to convey or carry uh, Ben Affleck's dead body to the boat. I thought mm. that was great. And then in the middle, the um, the house scene. Oh, yeah. Was great. And that's as far as good things happen in the movie, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, I, I did think... see it on a big screen in a theater. Yeah. So You did or did not? I did. Oh, did? So okay. that might be why mm. there's, you know, a, a dissonance. Between... Do you think it hurt it? I do. I oh. do think it hurt it because I, I think that there's not too much cinematic glue other than those chase mm. scenes and the, those crazy action sequences, you know? Mm. Because on the big screen, you can see how fake that helicopter looks. Mm. Like, it looks really... It looks... No. <laughs> That's fascinating. So, only not to bring back, like, previous movies too much, but how can that look fake and not stuff in, like, Pandorum? Like, what do you think is the difference? Because in Pandorum, I'm completely suspending my disbelief because everything is fake in the environment. It's just, it's, and in it's Triple t- Frontier, everything mm. is real. And then small CG things are fake, such as the mm. fire is terribly fake. Netflix mm. has a huge problem with their fire looking terrible. Um, mm. And, you know, this is... We were talking about this with Fighting With My Family, where you couldn't believe that Vince Vaughn was a character. He was just the mm. actor to you. Mm. And yeah. I, I think yeah. that it... I think it's something like that, where it's like, gotcha. because we are in a real-world setting, I can't suspend my disbelief for these fake things um, yeah. to be so CG. Whereas if mm. the entire film is in a world of suspended disbelief, then I never Mm. go in and out because then it's just, it it never interrupts itself by saying, look how real we are. It's just all unreal. And this movie is all real except for some parts that are very unreal. Yeah. Yeah. I would agree. Um, I was expecting something, um, a bit more resonant, just knowing who was behind it. Um, uh, I, I like, uh, JC Jandor's other stuff. I love um, his other stuff. Yeah. Um, and that might be the the cruelty of expectations. Yeah. Um, the screenwriter who, who's who's um, who we collaborated with, Mark Pohl, you know, is behind stuff like Zero Dark Thirty, The Hurt mm-hmm. Locker. Like, those are, to me, really meaningful, resonant uh, military films. I was kind of ex- hoping, expecting, um, crossing my fingers, that it would be of that caliber. I do not think it was that. Um, Agreed. But um, I enjoyed the services um quite a bit i felt like it moved right along for me i found it um uh unpredictable i i sort of enjoyed this turn that it be that it went from this sort of um you know tactical um action to them just lugging money over the mountain as sort of um dryly funny um, to drive home the point that like they just want the money that bad. You just find comedy in the weirdest shit, dude. Just I'm not saying shit. I'm not saying that like I ever like was <laughs> laughing at this movie, okay. but um, I think like it is that's part of what's happening in my brain. That's that which is causing me to not be that bothered by it. Like the the shirking of the genre trope that you expect. Yeah, yeah, it's kind of like volume? it's okay. yeah, it's just the feeling that oh my gosh, they are seriously just going to lug this money through the rainforest over a snowy mountaintop this is ridiculous and it's kind of fun um you know that's why i I 
for me, I'm able to forgive it because I find it, I, I have to kind of pause and like remember, but I think I find it mostly internally consistent. Um, these, it's, it's fairly simple. Um, they want the money. They go in and get it. They got to get it out. They got to get home safely. They pay the price for it because they get greedy. Um, <clears throat> it's not brilliant stuff, but uh, the filmmaking just kind of works for me. Like I think it, I think it looks. I thought it looked decent. Um, I thought it had momentum. It, it just kind of kept its pace. Um, and yeah, I, I would not say. Oh yeah, it's meant to be a comedy. It's just that I think it is intentionally turning this into something about them being a little ridiculous about the lengths they're willing to go to. It's like, just forget it. it yeah. yeah. Uh, I watched it with my friend, and when he was sitting next to me, he's like, no. Like, when they started mm. throwing the money back and forth on the rocks, he, he was just like, no. And when mm. we were driving back, he, he's like, like, it didn't make sense. And I, I had to, like, explain to him how it, it logistically did make sense that they were that close to the ocean when they started it. Oh, yeah. They did yeah. use donkeys to go up the vertical thing so physics wise it it all has an internal logistic it's the screenplay turns into a moralistic tale that i just don't give two shits about that's my problem Mm. i just don't give a crap about that moralistic tale that the screenplay wants to tell us that jc chandor so deeply wanted to communicate um and i i think that this is one of those movies where if it was made in Hollywood for Hollywood, maybe it would have been better and more mm. cohesive as an action picture that did that stuff. Like, I love J.C. Chandor, but if, um, what's his name? David O. Russell. If David O. Russell mm. handed this picture, I feel like there would just be such a better timing and, and with dialogue and better word choice and, and just ver- verbose back and forth. Um, happening that that it wouldn't have suffered from this really awkward clinkiness that I think that the screenplays never like the back and forth of the dialogue just absolutely Mm. has in my experience when I was exiting the theater everyone was complaining that it was a bad movie and that the dialogue Mm. was bad and I don't mean everyone but everyone that I could hear around me that was talking yeah and I mean that was my personal problem that was my friend's problem that's countless people's problems that I've read uh, reviews on Letterboxd there are some people that love it I just I I don't know how to ignore what I found to be grating in its dialogue I, yeah. I just I couldn't get around it and it started mm-hmm. when the boys get together uh, at the rodeo or not at the rodeo at the MMA match yeah that's where like it just started and it just never yeah stopped <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, when something rubs you the wrong way, it can be hard to, you know, uh, look past it sometimes. I mean, I I just didn't... I I was responding to other things that I just sort of uh, let that go. I would agree that I'm not going to tell anyone to check this out because there's such rich interpersonal relationships. No, I would say go go for the action and the turn of events in which... Uh, things don't go as planned. Um, I, I, I don't know. I, I take it in a, in a more um, simplistic sort of uh, way um, that I just kind of had fun with it. Maybe it's just because it was at home. I was kind of relaxed. Maybe my critical faculties were just down. Um, um, I agree. I mean, anything this movie really has to say, like, thematically about 
um, greed or anything towards the end, you know, in which they, you know, sort of um, become remorseful about having lost their buddy. It's like, it's phony. It's, it's just silly. But it really just didn't, it really didn't detract that much from sort of the fun I, I had of watching them um, get into that house um, not knowing like what exactly was going to happen um, throughout the uh, surprise journey over mountaintops and through rainforest. Like, I just think like, I don't know. I can't compare this to many recent action movies. Maybe that's just because I don't watch that many action movies that I'm maybe just a little hungry for it. Um, but I thought like the, the locations were just um, refreshing enough. Like, I just felt like it was pretty original. Um, it kind of, um, was uh, enough of its own thing that I had fun. I think it is mostly original and, and was shot on lo- on very beautiful locations mm-hmm. and shot quite well um, in most parts. It's just there's there's those certain things that just snap my ability to take it at face value um, mm. that, that just yeah. rub me the wrong way. But not to be all negative, on the positive side, Pedro mm. Pascal is an important, just a great performer. Just great I and I, I can't wait to see him get leads yeah. you know now we got Lupita Nyong'o getting lead roles we're gonna get Pedro Pascal in lead roles it's it's gonna be a good, good 2020 to 2030 um and Chandor I believe I read in an interview that he had finished complete like completed two screenplays and perhaps a third wow. um during this five years down so it's I, I downtime and he was on the record saying that he just wants to make films kind of back to back, kind of like Villeneuve mm. did for that brief period. So I do think Stay we busy. might be this might be the beginning of a a long output. So hopefully, mm. this is him kind of getting the wheels back going after half a decade off, mm. and it's just going to get better. Yeah, I I would just suspect, regardless of any value judgment I have, that this would probably do pretty well on Netflix. Like the oh, dude yeah. audience. Uh, you know the, the flyover states like i would just think that people will gobble this up um, i hope so yeah i yeah. hope so I, I hope it puts him on a, a short list of getting his projects greenlit and closer yeah. to the budget that he needs for those extraneous cg scenes to look a little bit more <laughs> realistic because it, it is a problem when a film's really good and then it undercuts itself with really bad effects kind of like apostle yeah. did with the fire like, like oh, yeah. just every Netflix movie's fire mm. just looks like total shit. And I don't know if it's because mm. I'm colorblind, so I'm not seeing like the the way that the fire looks like fire color-wise or something, mm. but it just looks like two-dimensional tissue paper billowing in the wind from a fan to me. You're not afraid of that? <laughs> not at all. Fair <laughs> enough. Um, that's Triple Frontier. There you go. <clears throat> Let's get to the climax of the episode. <laughs> If you couldn't dance, what would you do? Mmm. sad. The latest from your guy, Gaspar Noe. We started, um, well, we didn't start. Maybe episode two or three was Noe, right? It was early, Very yeah. Very early in our... We didn't really, go. like, wade into the water. We're like, new podcast, Gaspar Noe. Noe. <laughs> new French extremity, yeah. No, no softness here. And uh, this is the first film that he's released since we began the podcast, and we both watched it independently. I watched it um, 
oh, quite a while before you, and then it had a recent cinema rollout, and mm-hmm. I caught it um, on its opening night, and you watched it? Uh, two weeks ago now, um, when it was still at the uh, art houses, so. Okay, you yeah. watch, so you didn't watch it at the AMC? No, I saw it at the uh, Egyptian, Sif Egyptian. Okay. Where, yeah. Was it not playing at the 10? Not not yet. Came out okay. came out the following week at the ten. Gotcha. And you just yeah. couldn't wait for free. I couldn't. Needed well, that no way. Um so overall, where are you at on climax? Um, I'm positive on it, for sure. Um for you know, I just think this sounds so simple to say. I wish the movie um uh was as good as its first fifteen minutes for me, but overall I'm still super positive on it. Um I think it's certainly the most like formally thrilling movie of the year so far for me. Um, Undoubtedly, some of what I are actually I would say um, there's quite a bit of here of what I would expect from No Way. Some not so much, um, but um, I, I, I responded well. What about you? I love this movie. It is my favorite movie of the year and one of the only of the only two fives I've given this year. The other being Arctic. That's right. Got it. Any chance Arctic would just take a step ahead of it? Not after revisiting Climax. There's that ending sequence where the camera turns upside down and, and the nightmare world is opened up to a real interpretation because it, it feels like reality has sank back into the school. Mm. Um there's just there's so much formally and, and mythologically with with symbolism going on right the entire problem starts from this um sangria sangria is mm. kind of the um this I- classical idea of the the nectar of the gods the the mm. blood of the gods you know it's this um it, it's this very old thing in, in mythology and just how um, a human doses that and, and then kind of elicits a feeling of horror and otherworldliness amongst other humans and how he casts it so that it has all these things going on where it's tackling sexuality, racism, um, and, and then it's also doing the, these classical psychological things and mythological things with like the idea of the twins and... Um, specifically the the boy, the sister and the brother yeah, and then yeah. how sexuality is complicated between those things like it's very much a film about the complications of sexuality mm. um and the kind of, almost the ghost of sexuality and that um like children can't live in in this world of gluttony mm. um which i think that the film shows us by brutalizing mm. um the pregnant girl um, mm. And then she begins punching herself at one point. Um, the girl's, uh, the, the woman's son uh, dies, and that's kind of a turning point in the film. Um, it just, it does so much stuff. Uh, I, I, I just love this fucking movie. And I, I love go. how formally ballsy it is, right? We, we get the intro credits one third of the way into the movie. And we start at the end of the movie with the end credits and the final scene of the film. Mm-hmm. And I just, I love that. Yeah. Just the balls of that, man. It's just, it is, it's an insane I, it thing. It is ballsy, for sure. Um, I undoubtedly appreciate it more on a formal level, I think, than you. Where thematically, narratively, I wish I had gotten that much out of it. Um, I, I did not find that much to, to relate to or... 
um, really like chew on um, idea wise. Um, I'm eager to go back to it and try and find some kind of way into it for, my tip, for myself. My tip is just mm. when it starts and they do the interviews. Yeah. Pause it. Write down yeah. every single thing lining the shelves or, yeah. or lining the TV, and then yeah. just do do a brief cursory lookup on what that is, and yeah. you will see that it's just this gestaltic um, like amalgamation of metaphorical and mythological and symbolic and psychological things all put together in this unique way that while it doesn't steal from anything it steals from everything and makes its own unique piece while also almost having once again that shining um i think he's clearly doing his version of the shining yeah i have mixed feelings about that opening scene on one hand i prove the shelves do you know who she is who the girl that dies um which girl the the girl in the beginning which is technically the end of the film in the snow uh she's the first one who gets booted out right that is incorrect who who got the polish girl at the end who's dosing herself with lsd Mm -hmm. is the one who goes out the open the now open doors in daytime and Mm -hmm. she's tripping in the snow ah got it okay did not realize that right like the movie is formulaically like opposite so it's it's very hard to figure out like i didn't know that the first time i watched it i it only clicked the second time i watched it yeah at the very end of the movie when she's dosing herself with the lsd eyedropper right Mm. in the beginning in the interview she says that 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 was her roommate that was doing that and she didn't like drugs and she had to get out of poland Mm. for that reason yeah like there's just there's just so much happening on so many levels I, I just oh it's delicious yeah. yeah um the nefariousness of humanity yeah i i i want to feel that very much and i and i yeah even though you know I, I might you know have things to say that i didn't respond to as well overall still super positive that opening scene with the books and the movies you know um the i that's technically yeah. the end if i remember right. correctly actually i don't know that i would have gathered that i thought that was the interviews and then they were subsequently together putting on the show um if i remember correct it starts with her dying or or seeming seeming to die and turn into the snow angel um yeah on lsd and then the the end credits roll and then there's like these interviews that seem very much like um out of place in a film they almost seem like um like end credits things or like outtakes or something blu-ray special features and then after Mm. all that i believe that the film actually starts in with the dance floor and then i think at the end of the dance it says like climax and it like introduces Mm. the film i assume that was chronological maybe i was it's not chronological he did that on purpose to fuck with the way that you interpret it because he wants his film to also be that type of that type of dance where it like each performer is performing in a way that might be out of sync or out of time with what the current dance dancers are doing, but the whole dance as a piece makes sense. It's, yeah. It's hard to explain. Yeah. Reference well, Thunder Road. <laughs> I, I just assumed that those were interviews f- for the dance school and we subsequently see them in the dance school training. So I, I just took that at face value that there was, that was, that at least was chronological. Um, I don't believe so. I could be understand. wrong, but I am pretty certain that that's not 
how it was. I, I've Understood. had a, a, quite a few conversations on Letterboxd about this. That's fair. Actually. Um, on one hand, I, I like the opening scene. I like getting to know who these people are through those interviews. I like the cinephilia on display. I also don't know that I particularly um, like the, the, the idea that he's saying, hey, look how well-read I am. Um, listing is uh, by additionally kind of putting all this stuff Um, I mean I guess I don't know maybe I maybe it's my own insecurity just because like I I when I don't haven't read Nietzsche recently Um, but I don't particularly well it's Stefan Schweig's interpretation or book on Nietzsche it's not Nietzsche's books himself if I remember correctly it's just Stefan Schweig's Nietzsche book understood which is a separate thing understood um yeah i don't know there i it's um the 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 cinephiliac bit of it is kind of fun um the the added bit about um uh putting his asserting his um his intellect first and foremost i find a little grating also um i don't i don't know that that's necessary i mean i you could you could take it as signposts towards what he's getting at I, it sounds like I, I that's one that's, way I, I, I think it, I, I'm it's a, a turn off for people who are not like well read on this stuff right like but many people might mine that you. data without having to you know put it in your face yeah, I, I don't I when you have this many to me it, it is one of the richest melting pots of ideas especially ideas on sexuality and the kind of the post-god world that I've ever seen depicted so Mm. I and I think that there is something that I find of value when an artist says these are all things that influenced my project here these are all the the books and and films that influenced me these are the ones that I own and they're, they're all surrounding this and um, there's other stuff that clearly influenced him that isn't there. Yeah. Um, but I, I do just find value in, in openness as well. To me, it wasn't braggadocious. Because it's like anybody could mm. read those books if they want to. That, yeah. That's not a, it's not like an egoistic statement to me, at least. But I'm yeah. also binge reading books right now. There so. you go. I mean, anyone <laughs> who has, you know, who is up to date on whatever philosophy it is he's reading like that's that's just the access point you can take for me i don't know i, I find it a, a just a little ostentatious um but fun at the same time like i have competing feelings about that scene like i like getting introduced to the characters that way i think it's just a good shot uh, it's unique you know i, I like the idea of kind of culture in the frame at the same time that i'm kind of like i don't know maybe it's a little much um and uh what would you do if you couldn't dance if I couldn't dance, suicide. <laughs> just kind of run through the interviews, do that. That's just that's um, the best question and the best answer, I think. Yeah. What would you yeah. do if you couldn't dance? Yeah. I don't, suicide. Yeah. Th- this movie just might be smarter than me, but I wish you know. I, I don't think it is. I think it's. I think it's whatever you liked about it or didn't like. Like it's, it's very yeah. much the viewer's film, but I think that it is equally noise film. If that makes sense. Well, he reminds us that it's his film. <laughs> he, he's he's very um, assertive about that, um, and you know, I mean, there is nothing more 
dazzling this year than I think that those first 15 minutes um, and that that long take where there's so much going on in the frame and your eye is just kind of free to roam to look at people in the background look at people in the foreground from either side of the frame to have your eyeballs um, glued to a man's arms flagellating yeah yeah <laughs> um, and I thought to myself like this is the most unexpected thing no way could do for me is do something with joy in it and then it all kind of goes away i was like oh like this suddenly feels a little familiar um so you didn't <sighs> find i think that there is a philosophical conversation that he's having that i think gives context to the turn the film takes yeah did you not feel that um, I don't know that I can articulate his point particularly well, or a, I, I don't know that I personally have um, mined something meaningful from it, other than just that um, uh, I would almost say something about the, f- like, the fragility of beauty and community, um, and how slippery that can be, and we therefore follow this descent into madness, which... I'm not going to lie, like, in a way, I hate saying, like, I don't like this or like that, because overall, like, I did respond to this movie, but, you know, my head is also saying, like, like, I want this to be joyful. Um, yeah, which is I, maybe I the agree. point. I would like, yeah. I would like that, but I think that there is a classical ag- agreement among most humans that, like, there is a cost to ecstasy, and I think mm. that ecstasy is very similar to the title of the film, Climax, and I think that what you're referencing... I don't know if I agree about the first 15, but you mean like the first 15 minutes of dance, which comes maybe yeah. 10 or I don't know how long it is. Oh. The first dance yeah. sequence, basically. Yeah. That dance sequence, I, I think, is the title, even. Mm. Climax. And mm. I think that kind of the subsequent chaos that the film goes into is kind of a depiction of the cost to humanity of just trying to live in a place of climaxing and ecstasy. Like mm. that, that you can't do that. You, if you do that, you're mm. susceptible to the worst actors causing you the most harm. Um, yeah, seems to me to kind of be the statement. But he makes it in a super artistic way that I just found pleasant to to watch. Like the yeah. the as the camera shifts and follows Sofia Butella as she she goes to figure out what's happening during this first scene, and then. She's let, she comes back down the hallway and she's like, what are you doing? And she's like, I put my, mm. my son in the electric room where he can touch the, the electric thing and I lost the key. And then, um, oh God, the scene where the girl gets pushed that had the cocaine all along into the mm. fire and her head catches on fire. Like just the, I, I don't know, it just works, yeah. man. It just yeah. works. Um, that, that painting, I think that the far right um, portion of it is kind of, deeply reminiscent of the, the cost of, or, or like of what happens in climax that's the garden of earthly delights the right fair frame got it yeah. Bosch. got it um i don't know how familiar you are with that but it it does tend to influence <laughs> this type of a thing quite often like yeah it's just yeah. dark brutal cost to joy and living yeah 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 i think for me i you know i am super I'm quite positive on it, and I just all the the the, the thrill of it is the is the form. Um, and Let me bully you into loving it. Though. <laughs> I know, and it, <laughs> That's and it I could feel like it, it could happen. Like I really want this to kind of be a five for me. Um, uh, like I think there's kind of an interesting um, uh, 
shift of perspective too. Like sometimes when we're following Sophia Butella, the camera itself feels very sober um, when she's oh, flipping God. out and the camera is shooting it quite matter-of-factly, just letting you take it in. It's like, like a bad LSD trip. Yeah, it is very much not externalizing what it is she's going through. And then subsequently, the camera is, is itself becoming quite drunk um, and and delirious, and, you know, it really goes when it haywire. Yeah. Oh, God, um, some of those, when it just rotates halfway, 90 degrees. Yeah. And she's walking down the hallway at that 90 degree. Oh, man, there's just... Great stuff. It's just exciting. I, I don't know how... Yeah. It's just... It's like watching Blade Runner 2049. Like, I just never want to look away from what the camera's doing. Yeah, and, and during some of the dances, I have to say it's probably, like, the hardest time I've had just, like, sitting still. You kind of want to be like, yeah, 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 yeah <laughs> and just and just move. I mean, that's just, just something pretty special that a film just makes you want to move. I think that it also makes your eyes want to do that. Yeah, oh, yeah. Um, <clears throat> and, yeah, the way that the, the frame always just feels very just, you know, active and alive. There's things to look for. Um but there were stretches that that just that didn't do as much for me, you know. Those, um, the dialogue scenes um, where it's almost like the screen's kind of blinking um, between each of those conversations. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. It's weird. I want to revisit them because I want to find they made something more sense in to them. me on revisiting. Did I did it? not yeah. understand <clears throat> the depth of this film as a as a um, film about sexuality and human sexuality on the Mm. first watch i did not Mm. know that that was her in the beginning um Mm. the polish girl on the first watch like i just Mm. i didn't know that stuff and on the second watch it was just like oh Mm. okay like like right because who's the people that survive um i couldn't tell you off the top of my head it's it's not fresh enough it's the um the um, homosexual couples, the lesbians and the gay couple, they mm-hmm. survive um, in the most comfort. They're in their own rooms um, at the end, and then everyone else is on the floor besides the <laughs> Polish girl who has built up a tolerance to the LSD, mm-hmm. who proceeds to go die in the Snow Angel. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of open to interpretation. I think how alive the people on the floor are or aren't. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, it just. I, I don't think it makes any claims that are too boastful about human sexuality. I just think that it is definitely mm. a film about human sexuality, and I didn't pick up on that during my first watch. Mm. I just didn't. Yeah. And yeah. I think that it's all buried in the subtext of those conversations. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I am eager to revisit it. I want, like, more from it. Like, I, you know, sometimes you just know a movie can't be a, something like a five for you. Other ones, you want it to be there. You just got to kind of find your way in. Um, Caffeine. Maybe that's it. Um, and I kind of hope his next one is just uh, just joy, joy, please. Um, I, I I I couldn't help but think to myself like, you know, there's something about a provocateur doing what he's already been doing that that is frustrating. Um, you know, when when someone so you know uh, so interested in the horror of life is surprises you by exposing the the beauty of life he I, he almost had me i thought he was doing it and then he's like nope maybe <laughs> next time so we'll wait and see <laughs> that is uh climax this has been a very climactic conversation sure has well we mm. are totally recording this the same day that we recorded this previously this is not at all stitched together 
Of course, you are going to be honest with the viewers that you are not drinking alcohol today, right? I am not drinking alcohol yet. I will drink alcohol when we get to our first impressions on the episode we're recording soon with some whiskey. Because that's always good for getting over a cold. But uh, drinking some black tea right now. Had a couple coats, a couple cups of coat throat. So gotta soothe first. Gotta soothe. And then imbibe. Yeah, I'm drinking throat coat like Macklemore. You know, just a thing we G's do in Seattle. You can probably hear his voice just a little scratchy. We're working through it. A little bit deeper, probably easier mm-hmm. to hear, actually. It's actually quite nice. <laughs> I like it. Um, so we're doing Black Mother from Kalika Law. We previously we watched Urban Rashomon, which we're going to cover on our short film episode. Whenever that comes out. Eventually. Um, Just like Chucky. Got a road? My name is God. Oh, you're looking good, baby. Fuck, I don't like that shit. So, Black Mother, we watched this at the Northwest Film Forum. With Q&As, this was your most um, anticipated film on the year, is that correct? Um, At the time, it was in the top five. Um, I don't know, I don't think it was my number one, three or four. It was up there, no doubt. How did this live up to the hype? Uh, Yeah, I've had kind of a roller coaster relationship with this movie. It was really high on on my list because I had seen it was film comments number one undistributed movie of 2018. And so I was like, okay, that, that piques my interest. Really intrigued by just some of the first, you know, pieces of footage and, and uh, stills from it. Then we watched a couple shorts, or we watched one. There was one other I watched that I was a little cooler on, to say the least. So my expectations were kind of tempered. Um, I don't think it ever reached the uh, what I had hoped it would be at the outset of discovering this Things film. Things rarely do. Right, yes, that tends to happen. But I definitely came out positive on it. I do think I saw it as a big leap forward from the shorts of his that I had seen. Um, uh, so I, I definitely had a, uh, yeah, positive response. Perhaps not overwhelmingly love, not, I didn't overwhelmingly love it, but somewhere in there. What about you? I did not overwhelmingly love it. We have common ground. Um, I, I... It's a hard movie to watch. It doesn't really feel like a movie. It feels more like an experimental film in the classic sense. Um, I like some of what he was throwing down. I don't feel like it completely cohered for me. I do like his overall commitment. But I do think that he, based on the Q&A that I had and him, what they told me he was doing in the film, I feel like maybe this I'm just not the correct audience member for this type of a project. Hmm. Um, I, I did not pick up on all the significances of the novels that um, are being hmm. held up. Um, I knew that it was significant. I just don't know the backstory, and I'm probably never going to read all those works and then rewatch the film and try to think about those works while I'm looking hmm. at it. Um, but I do think that there is an interesting cultural conversation to be had. I don't. I there's just a lot of genre stuff. That he, or I don't know if it's genre, but a lot of choices he makes in the documentary genre that I don't think suit me as a viewer, like having the audio out of sync with the visuals. Mm. Um, specifically when I have a hard time understanding that pattern of um, speech to begin with. 
um, it it always helps me to watch mouth movements in um, pattern with it so that I can have mm. a more coherent understanding of the narrative. I do like its amalgamation or, or cohesive um, statement, though, about like how varied in Jamaica is and what it is and how um, it is kind of feminine, I, I guess. Mm. But I I just don't completely go for it. I want mm-hmm. I wanted to. I really did want to. I I love a lot of the single shots. I love a lot of not a lot, but I I love significant portions inexorably. Like I just I really yeah. like some of those overhead shots of the water. Oh, yeah. Um in the um specific film shots you can oh, kind yeah. of tell when he's switching over to film. Yeah. I really like that stuff and it's really rich, but it's um, it's holding me at arm's length. Hmm. I think I mostly responded responded to the same things that you did. I just um, connected with them more. Um, yeah, in terms of the disconnect between the sound and the image, I almost always went with the image first. Um, I me completely too. agree. Yeah, um, and then I, I was like, oh, I'm not even like understanding what they're saying. So yeah, I would switch yeah. over and try to hear, and then I noticed that once I was trying to hear only, yeah, I wasn't yeah. paying attention to the visuals, and then the visuals yeah. would suck me back in, and I'd kind of lose auditory understanding. Yeah, yeah, I personally just kind of liked it. Like there would be certain monologues that I responded to that I could understand really clearly. Other times I was just kind of too enraptured by the image, and and those would kind of fade to the background of my mind, and I was okay with that. Um, it was kind of a. a um, a, a, a fluid way of like interacting with it where I was kind of oscillating between the two. Um, one of the panelists, I guess you would call him at uh, the Q and a for mine said his instinct was actually to close his eyes, which I thought was interesting. Like I am, so, I'm so visual. Like if anything, I would rather have like closed my ears for some of this. Um, and I, I don't feel like there's a right or wrong way to do it. Um, I like that people can eat you know people can find their own way into it and and for some it'll just be too distracting i get that i do think that's why it's rich because i there's no way to explain what you're going to watch and there's no way that what you watch is what i watch yeah yeah something like this and there there is something very collage ish about it and i do like that style of collage yeah i just realized we got a fan on i'm going to turn that off ah it's better than you saying we're not recording at all (laughs) (laughs) And we're not recording at all. Yeah, I remember back in uh, a film class hearing a theory about how cinema is more about the relationship everybody has with the movie and less about the object itself. And therefore, like, none of us really watch the same movie. Like, it's, we're always kind of um, having, you know, different experiences anyways. Well, we've um, certainly come to understand that after eight months or so here. Oh, we have. <laughs> Most definitely. Um, so yeah, I <laughs> completely understand anyone who's just uh, not, a, not a fan of the disconnect between the two. I, I, I was personally kind of on board with it. Um, and it's something that for me would probably reward second um, viewing, or I might just maybe try to tune in more to certain things, not others. Um, the problem I think I had with the shorts was that some of them just felt like they were um, great looking photographs, but photographs strung together and they didn't really kind of make that leap into cinema. 
I definitely felt like this made that leap. Um, this this felt like it had a better sense of like movement to it. Um, that there was uh, a rhythm, the way we were kind of coming back to water as sort of this, you know, uh, uh, device of repetition that kind of felt like this course verse structure. Um, the way that uh, that that film stock just looked, the way we see, um, you know, the edge of the film stock sometimes, light coming into it. I just felt like that that film itself was really alive, that was really in sync with just the life uh, in Jamaica that it was documenting. So I definitely felt like this um, work had more vitality to it for me than some of his previous ones, which was rewarding. Um, if there was anything holding me back, it was maybe that even though he kind of has the uh, like three act structure with the trimesters, mm -hmm. it still felt like a little shapeless somehow. Like I still really couldn't tell you um, what differs, what what makes the first one different from the third um, in terms of like. I would agree. Yeah, yeah, I don't because he recycles the images. Yeah, yeah. Um, so it's not. I, I was for a second. I was like, well, there's more prostitutes in the first part, but there's still prostitutes in the third part. So. Yeah, maybe it was just like that. That maybe device. that's the point, right? Like the um, right, like we keep seeing coconuts, right? Mm. And coconuts being held up to the stomach, and like coconuts around, and like you might get to a different part of the coconut, but you're still mm. like, it, it's still generally the same shape. Oh yeah. When you think about like a coconut, maybe floating in the water, which I think we do see at the end, or uh, like the idea that it's all confined by these waves. Oh yeah. You know, like there is some metaphorical value. I, I, it's very interesting because I did not get the um, course verse thing mm. that you're talking about. I, I was thinking more about metaphorically what he's going for with his visuals mm -hmm. and why he's making these edits um, maybe more metaphorically. So I, I hadn't thought about that, but um, one of the things in the Q&A was how this feels like visual jazz. Mm. Um, and I, I definitely feel like all of that's true. It's just this is one of those works where I would honestly rather have a photo book on my coffee table mm. of this for a decade mm. to look at than watch this film again. That's just kind of where I am mm. with this visual medium. Like I want it on my terms and mm. I want to experience it um, in my own way with my own mm. processing yep. more than I want it to be I, I feel like it like over engulfed me and like I didn't have time to sit with what I wanted to process necessarily yeah, yeah I could see that um, I think for me what I might lose in the form of say a photo album is some of just the um, summation that I think results from some of like the visual associations we get like um, looking at like the skin of a piece of fruit cut against you know the the skin of a guy's hand um you could flip you know from one page it you know in a book to another but i i did find that those sort of um you know achieved that one plus one equals three effect for me um that i think cinema can get at in a way because of you know the speed at which it's it's hitting you i um, i suppose that's true i i do think though that in well-edited photo albums you can superimpose images together in a yeah. collage so on a single page you can look at those things superimposed oh, yeah. upon each other if that is his goal and he can still communicate that in a way yeah and yeah. To, i i think it's just really like i want to spend time with these images more and i 
it just went along too fast and cut away from the ones that I wanted to spend more time with. Yeah, um, yeah. I really, really liked the way that it would cut the film stock at the top and then put it at the bottom. Oh, yeah. yeah. I thought that was a really cool visual flourish that he chose to do. Definitely. Um, one problem for me, I don't know if you had the same projectionist, um, but mm. uh, the film was not fit to the screen. Ah, that's so nice. it definitely th- there is a extra textual bit that like y- you know that could be yeah. part of it like I just didn't get to see the whole thing that was bothering me kind of like Suspiria but well, Suspiria was a fast. four and a half so oh wait what happened with Suspiria <laughs> it was projected incorrectly at the is that AMC at AMC ah yeah. oh, classic <laughs> yeah that doesn't that is never gonna help um, yeah and uh, with the sound even even when I couldn't understand whoever was speaking more often than not i did just take some pleasure in the sound of people's voices um i i agree, I, yeah. I thought like i i don't know i mean i i get that some people just don't want to uh look at portraits and listen to people talk about stuff for that long i am just kind of okay with that i, I just liked hearing these people uh talk in a way that it, it felt to me like he had very much done his job of putting them at ease and just um, um, allowed them to to say whatever it is he wanted to say or they wanted to say. Um, that was a nice thing that we got from watching Urban Rashomon. I think was knowing mm. how he interacts with these people and gets them to be familiar with him. Yeah. Did you realize that was his grandfather's funeral? Um, I did. I did. Yeah. Not oh, really? That. No, not oh, until okay. the Q and A. Uh, was there yeah. like auditory cues? Like I just I was not tracking that stuff. Um, I don't remember if it's just said it explicitly or if I if I was just keyed into it. I I do remember feeling that, and that was actually what gave the third act some punch for me. Was if anything, this uh, structural device of dividing it into tri- into trimesters leads you to think we're going to be this is going to be culminated in a birth. Which it does, but it also culminates with a death. Mm-hmm. Um, and so for a Very film, Monrovia, right? 100%. Oh, yeah. I, I, I absolutely thought of Monrovia. And for a film that's in the same way that that does sort of interweave landscape and uh, the people living off of it um, understand how they coexist, uh, I just respond to that. Um, but... Uh, yeah, you know, I, I I get that it's uh, th- the emotional appeal isn't isn't uh, you know it it isn't exerting this great tug. I think the appeal is kind of um, more formal, and like you kind of have to be willing to like lean into it. And I don't like uh, I can understand people just not really getting there with it. Yeah. Um. So they talk about the like history of the Rastafarians, correct? Mm. Yeah. And like how they were being demonized. And then like the only, if I remember correctly, the only two people they show being demonized are the prostitutes Mm. and then the Chinese market workers. Mm. And in the film, as far as I remember, the only people that were not Jamaican were those Chinese Mm. workers. Yeah. And just reflecting on the film, like I don't feel like I've completely unlocked what his goal is with the markets mm. and the Chinese workers. Mm. Because, um, you know, there's a lot of other people in Jamaica than just the Jamaicans he depicts, and he only depicts these Chinese market workers. 
Yeah, yeah. Um, I would agree. I don't know that I have a, a, a takeaway or a moral or identified like a moral stance or anything. I To me, it just felt more like unvarnished documentation of it. Um, oh, really? Okay. And, uh, I, I was thinking like, because there's this conversation being had throughout the film about the um, that Jamaica exists because of imperialism. Mm. And I was thinking that maybe he was trying to show the slow tide of like Chinese imperialism coming to their island. Oh, oh Specifically yeah. Specifically yeah. with that, um, what is it, the Silk Road 2.0 or whatever they're calling it. Got it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that completely makes sense. And I think like all those I- ideas are there. You know, you read some of the uh, like, you know, paragraph summaries of this film and, and it's like you know it's about colonialism it's about slavery it's about imperialism um and it's like for me all that is there but i actually don't know that the like structure of it really helps me like dig into those quite as incisively yeah, it's not as maybe like it's I a burnsian documentary where it's like yeah, making yeah. a narrative factual claim and then using facts to expose that stuff. Yeah, yeah. For me, it, it works better as just a visual representation of um, what what all that makes a society look like, um, and what you know, kind of life looks like after um, you know all of this has happened. Um, you know, you can't you know really kind of appreciate it what it feels like to be in a place and um, live a certain way if you don't also sort of recognize you know where it's come from. Um, but I. Uh, don't know that I could like talk at length about what this film has to say about um, imperialism, you know. Um, so it's uh, maybe not where that's maybe not where I would go in terms of like praising the film is is in how it like you know expertly dissects that. I I did not get that. I just found it more um, valuable as a. Um, gorgeous document of people um living you know in the wake of of all that that stuff is yeah i i think that maybe that's why it kind of holds me at arm's length because it does make to me some claims about like what its problems are and Mm. then it doesn't spend any time really digging into them Mm. because i feel like it brings up how problematic the church is how problematic imperialism, racism, mm. colonialism was. And then it just completely diverts and focuses on the people. And mm. I'm glad that it focuses on the people, but I, I also feel like when a documentary makes claims, I just inherently need you to follow up on that or like mm. explain why you're not going to follow up on it. Like I, I need some coherent voice from you as a filmmaker rather than than not having kind of any claim um, or, or any clear voice about what you're moving away from it to do. Yeah. And I, I know that, that kind of puts me firmly in the I demand essay docs camp. And I don't want that, but I think that's just who I am. Yeah. Like if you're going to yeah. make claims, I need you to back it up or explain why you're not going to back it up. And then I can just mm. like put that out of my mind. But otherwise, if you make a claim then you want me to have it in mind. And then yeah. if you never address it again, it's like, why did you want me to have that in mind? You know? Yeah. I don't know. For me, that, that makes it sound like certain mediums like like poetry or, or music or this kind of audiovisual um, work can't be like dealing with 
um, complicated or uncomfortable things, right? Because I, I see what you mean. Well, like, I think poetry I, is is a medium of um, on the skin back to holy motives, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's a it's a medium about emotion, mm-hmm. and then any um, any headier thoughts are kind of secondary, and you can mm-hmm. inhabit like philosophical spaces in poetry. Mm-hmm. But I think that poetry always in my experience, comes at things from a very emotional standpoint. So you're feeling mm. things before you're uh, intellectually processing them. And mm. I don't think that I was um, overtly feeling this movie before I was mm. thinking about it as well. Uh, yeah, I mean, f- for me, I would describe it first and foremost as like an aesthetic experience rather than an emotional experience. An emotional experience for me is like the... I also love this movie. The... Uh, uh, Mr. Rogers doc yes. where it, there's nothing formally it's not for me about like the visual associations that it's you know through which it's trying to make any point um, whereas Black Mother like all the, the communication is, is coming coming from the like the image first so like it does require that lean in a little bit um, to sort of like stimulate i think the head in a way more than the heart and then they start working together um but uh yeah that was kind of a roundabout way of not making it back to what i originally said yeah but but, well so there's the statues right Mm -hmm. and they we keep going back to the statues we keep seeing kids holding up these books from these um black um authors about black Mm. history and about um black experience yeah yeah and so there's clearly like a head statement being mm. made, like like something directed at the head, something about philosophy, about right and wrong, moral truth, mm. and the cost of history, and like the idea of right and wrongs. But then like it never feels like it digs in deeper um, mm. to clarify any of that for me. But maybe it does, and I'm not capable of, of mm. understanding what that was. Um, yeah, it was no. That's interesting. There, there were two panelists uh, at after my screening who were kind of you know answering questions from a third person, and um, one of one of them did not particularly care for it. Um, it actually sounds uh, a lot like your experience. She she said that a couple times. She was like, I just I just kept being intrigued by these I- ideas and then wanting more. Um, so that is uh, um, yeah. It's not like I didn't want more. It's like I yeah. wanted more, and the more I got wasn't what I wanted. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes wanting more is better than wanting less. You're yeah. like, I want to leave. <laughs> I, no, I want, I want more. Might have wanted that a little bit, but I, I did honestly. I did want to leave sometimes <laughs> when it was getting really boring. Um, but I want to see more of Kalik Law's work. It's just I would rather, based on my experiences so far, see it in a in a photo book than on a screen. Yeah, that's yeah. just my experiences. Yeah, like if he did like a straight up narrative doc, I'd be totally down for that. Yeah, yeah, it, yeah. It'll be interesting to see like if he can, um, you know, ever transition more into like making any kind of interview like the more of the focal point. Um, I, you know, I wouldn't want him to lose sort of what I think is sort of the formal achievement here because I think I think it is gorgeous, but. Um, you know, I, I I don't think of of him right now as some somebody who's like uh, expertly bringing this stuff out of people. It's more about the visual documentation of it. Um, I think that's and um, personal experience. Yeah, yeah, for based sure. Based on his interview style. Yeah. And the questions he asks. Yeah, 
Um, but yeah, you know, it's it's one that I would be cautious about recommending to people without knowing their tastes. Right? Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. If you like uh, Monrovia, Indiana, give it a shot. Yeah. There you go. Leave it at that. Die machen Paris zu. Ich werde mich einschiffen. Du kannst die zwei Briefe für mich abgeben. Papa kommt vor Repair. Sind für den Beidel. Kennst ihn doch. Beidel, der Schriftsteller. Do you hear the sirens? Gorg? Do you hear the, the sirens? The you Nazis the train are coming. coming? Oh. We're talking about transit. Directed by Christian Petzold. Starring Paula Beer, and I wish I could remember the lead male actor's name because he's awesome. But I he not. is. Um, correct me if I'm wrong. He is the French walking phoenix. This is a fact. Oh, correct? I. Uh, that is so funny you say that. I, I read that somewhere else, too. You are not the only person I've heard say okay, that. Good. But that is perfect yes. right like it's, it's it's just a visual and, and emotional truth, truth. Like, it is it's just it is. what it is i yeah i didn't know that i needed a second one so bad but we did I, it would blow my mind to see them in a movie together blow my mind uh i don't think a movie can like handle that i'm i'm thinking about it and i'm thinking <laughs> philip seymour hoffman died so mm. paul thomas anderson's gonna need to like you know, cast somebody opposite Joaquin Phoenix because Daniel Day Lewis quit. So we got to get Joaquin uh, and this guy together. Yeah. I know. Um, it's been like two weeks since I saw this one versus like a couple days. When did you um, watch this? I watched it on Tuesday. Okay, it's still fresh. Fresh-ish. Fresh-ish. I watched yeah. a lot of movies this week. There you go. I watched, uh, I think, three movies on Wednesday and three movies on Thursday. So busy week. A lot of movies. <laughs> So even after having watched another five or six movies, is transit still Eight lingering? Because Ash is purest white today. Excuse me. Long day's journey into the night yesterday. So that's that's eight movies, baby. There you go. Has it already moved on or is it lingering? Um, its emotional significance is lingering. Mm. Um, I think the visuals, while they're really, really sharp in the moment, I don't find myself thinking back to the window while he's sitting in the restaurant eating pizza and drinking beer or coffee mm. quite as much or margarita rather i don't think it's called pizza there mm. yeah, yeah um like that's not really what i'm thinking about and if i do think of an image it's probably more like him playing goalie in front of a bare brick wall for that little mm. boy um mm. how about you um yeah, visually when when at this point when i still recall it um the first thing that comes to mind is when he's in um the uh you know um i think he's in he's in the embassy talking to some guy and he's asking him he's asking him questions kind of on the spot to test his um uh to, to test who he really is and then we get these flashbacks to him on the train and you're seeing the the tracks go by just kind of this visual oh that was great re- yeah, yeah representation of you know his mind racing sometimes it looks like there's nothing there so maybe he's going to come up short and then he does you know it, it kind of like leaves oh, you to wow. catch your I breath i did not even make that visual cue that that's what i got no that um, makes perfect sense i just yeah. was not there i was like oh these empty train tracks like this is what it's about. I, w- I guess i was envisioning like 
he's at the top of this like pyramid and there's like this endless race of uh people fleeing not from nazis hmm. yeah um coming to try to get to this place at the top of the pyramid where he is to get these papers to leave yeah yeah um yeah that that shot has stuck with me and just just kind of like the conceptual just just the concept i don't know just the the, the you know the the uh, it's just sounds obvious to say how time is used the, the 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 transposition of um events from one time period to another i just found totally fascinating i just i just love it um that just um felt like something so new i mean there's i, I don't know i don't know there's someone's going to say well you know this film's done it but to me it felt um like something i i hadn't felt before um, and just allowed me to to kind of think about it, it allowed some of those events to really hit me in in a really immediate way versus when you see these in a in a period piece all that period dress really can kind of distance you from it and make yeah, it feel definitely. right so sort of fussed over yeah um whereas this just feels like it's kind of um right into your iv yes um, it is. and uh uh yeah, I mean, I don't know. I, I just, I adore the, the two lead performances. I mean, I shouldn't even say that. I don't know if there's a performance here I don't like, but we do have two primary leads. That are very um, emotionally available actors. Oh, 100%. I can definitely put myself into them very easily and yeah. process what they're feeling. And yeah. as a foreign film, it did not feel foreign. Mm. Like, I, I recognized the facial emotions. I recognized the feelings. I recognized the tribulations. I recognized the, you, uh, what is it, the unanimous human experience yeah. that was going on between them. And, and you know, it, it did not matter. It's like Cold War. It did not matter mm. that this is foreign. It's not foreign. It's Yeah, it's just human. human. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's, that's a great way to, to put it. Um, especially with something that feels so sort of like intellectual in a way right if you were to describe the concept to someone it sounds kind of heady yeah it's but a I nazi think... movie we never see the nazis um yeah you're like well it kind of sounds like some kind of you know artsy thought exercise or something like that it, which which if anything like had me a little nervous i was like i kind of hope it's not too much of that which i didn't feel that way at all and i think um that's it has a lot to do with the performances which just feel so kind of uh immediate like and just lived in like i just i just find everyone here so convincing i just bought right into it um and the world feels completely realized kind of oh yeah and i i think that there is something to the nature um so in 310 to yuma we talk about how ben foster is the wolf at the heels mm. kind of defining where the cinematic experience is going to be and mm -hmm. we're never questioning why we're there we completely buy into why we're there and i think the nazis serve mm. that purpose here where we're never like why are we here we know why we're mm -hmm. here and there's like almost nowhere else to be besides the pyrenees by the sounds of it yeah yeah and i loved how that like added pressure and never made me like wonder why we're not going around certain corners yeah yeah like i just i love that yeah yeah there's 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 so much that's off screen um that you you to just take your word that you feel the pressure of that's exactly right um that that really sort of gives uh the movie it's uh it's lure and it makes um, the city more heated yeah yeah um and 
yeah, just just a lot of like emotions that I felt like I I have never felt kind of at once kind of came together for me the way you know I kind of feel them connecting and the way that feels like this kind of classic romance in a way um you know Casablanca right yeah especially with some of the score that's when you know we do get some like I, I think classical music especially when she's touching his shoulder each time um there feels you know that feels kind of timeless somehow um oh yeah eating and drinking in a in a cafe and right yeah a beautiful woman walking in and you looking at her yeah, yeah. it's kind of timeless yeah yeah and then to have that you know just uh buttressed up against scenes like watching i think it's a woman being dragged out of the uh hotel he's staying in and everyone's watching and there's a narration about you know them feeling um i think i think it's the word shame you know or, or something like that you know you just you just there's just so much on on those people's faces as they're um distraught over not like uh reacting but also maybe thankful it's not them um do you have any yeah. favorite scenes oh favorite scenes um you go first well i think i have a couple um and i'm like 50 50 like i don't know which mm. one i love more but one that i really really love is um after he um gets the girl's boyfriend who's a doctor yeah on in route to the ship and yeah. then he's waiting on the porch for her to come back mm. and he's looking down and she looks up oh yeah and then oh yeah that was just um, amazing because of how that conceit continues with the porch use oh, and yeah. how they capture the um the ship moving in the background Oh yeah, like that's just incredible cinematography. But then the um, the entire scene where the dog lady, who oh, yeah. after the dogs die, she asks him to sit down, doesn't want to talk. Mm-hmm. Then eventually they talk about architecture. He walks with her, he lights her cigarette, and then she she kills herself. And the amount of emotions that are so accessible in her narrative in that mm-hmm. small amount of time was just so compressed and, and coalescent and clear mm-hmm. like it there was no doubt about what she was feeling and that she was making this choice yeah yeah and i just i love that scene it yeah. still yeah. rings kind of oh yeah when i Great. think yeah. about it yeah yeah uh the one that that's coming to mind now is maybe the scene with uh uh our lead actor and the little boy fixing the radio oh, um yes you know, just that classic kind of exchange of information between a... What was his know, name? Driss? Driss. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Good memory. Um, the, the kid is just so glued to what's go, to what's happening and how this is going to be fixed. That kind of exchange of information um, and the radio itself kind of feeling um, like it was from another period. You know, that just that is very not 2018. Um, but yet it just like it just uh feels so right um and i just uh bought it that just seemed like kind of a key moment in their kind of uh mutual affection for each other um yeah good stuff it's a it's a lovely film um what do you think about the end Ooh, uh do you think he's looking at somebody in particular i think that it is purposely open-ended I agree. Just the way I like it. I uh, I watched this at home. So mm-hmm. I, after it ended, I went back. I rewatched it. I paused it. 
And I, I even like looked into his eye to see if there's a reflection of no reflection. Like you'd have Nothing. to really maximize it and it would probably just be the camera lens. Mm-hmm. Um, and the smile is very much um, like the woman who killed mm-hmm. herself. So it's, mm-hmm. it's very much in the tone of like, she's alive. The girl mm-hmm. that he's in love with, she did not die on the ship after it uh, sank from the mine. Mm-hmm. He's embracing death. Mm. The person I watched it with thought that it was the mother of Driss. Mm, interesting. It could be Driss. <laughs> a lot of suspects. It could be someone that he knows. Like, it is completely open-ended. Like, I yeah. could just keep listing possibilities, and you yeah. couldn't refute them. It's yeah. very much like that 50-50 split on First Reformed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I like how, like, relevant to the narrative, each of those possibilities feel like you know he would be he would have that smile on his face no matter which of those people it is and like i don't know to me it just makes me think about what it would have liked to have to have lived through that period and you know have been separated from somebody and just um you know be turning corners every day hoping you see them hoping they made it out hoping they they made it to safety um the idea that whoever it is someone did um it's someone he cares about i like I, you're just I, making like, I like suspiria till this went oh, now. there you go i guess I, I, yeah i i do find it um uh hopeful i think i felt it that way yeah because like um, even if he dies he'll be out of his pain oh yeah uh, of mm. searching and it mm. seems like the way that he he was emoting was a visual expression of that truth yeah yeah um yeah, it's a great ending. Um, what do you think about that unreliable narrator? Oh, I loved it. Amazing. So good. Such. Oh, yeah. Oh. Yeah. Um, th- there's Sometimes there's such, like, trivial details. Like, at one point, the, the actress is sitting on a curb, and he says, you know, she put her hand above her uh, eyes to shield the sun, and she does not do that. Um it just you know adds this this layer of of are you are you seeing what really happened are you hearing what really happened um again that just you know forced my engagement yeah and i was already there so it just yeah i I heard some people say that they were not so crazy about it um that they found that distracting i was like i i did not feel that way at all that added layers and it kept it kept me busy yeah um so it's called transit Mm-hmm. We keep coming back to the story that he took off of the dead author. Mm-hmm. And the end of that story is that the man had been in hell all along. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Waiting to be transited to hell. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that just, it works so well narratively. Like, it's yeah. it's hard to explain um, off the top of my head right now but the whole time I'm I was watching it as I'm hearing that narrative I'm just like okay so he's already as far as he's gonna go he's never gonna mm-hmm. get farther than this and he's gonna keep going up this pyramid or this ladder to get mm-hmm. these papers but he's never actually gonna go and then that when that became what happened instead of feeling like disappointed that I already knew what was gonna happen the way that it happens and how emotionally resonant it is made it more rich yeah yeah, one hundred percent. I mean, to me, that's uh, that short story in particular um, was 
part of like what really I don't know it just it just emphasized like the poignancy of it all to to think about what it feels like to be a um, displaced person um, and just and not know where your your homeland is anymore um, and to um, you know think about transit as this this state of um, in between um, home right like or homes that you know not knowing not knowing where you're you're supposed to be anymore and and that just uh the infinite frustration of just wanting to be be safe be home somewhere um and you just hear all those people in the embassy talking about that getting trying to get to where they want to go um uh and you know to, and where to they summarize. want to go is to mexico which is uh, there's a lot that's very contemporarily rich about like current world politics i think because france is kind of holding the tide per se on african migrants yeah um which we when we watched that french film we saw kind of the african gang manifestation um what was the film we watched um it was a french netflix film in which he wanted oh, to deal uh, uh, what otter pops or juice boxes? Yeah, I was thinking about something much heavier, but yeah, the the world is yours. Right? Yeah, the world yeah. is yours, right? Yeah, yeah, we yeah. do cover African migrancy there, and yeah, how yeah. there is like some problems on the ground with African gangs, but also they're fleeing legitimately terrible situations, and like we do need to take in refugees. But it it yeah. is a difficult contemporary conversation, yeah. and there's also a difficult conversation with migrants happening in North America. And where they are going is to Mexico, but that's not their end goal of where they want to go. So there is, yeah. Yeah. it is a very rich tapestry to uh, apply and think about. And I, I think yeah. that it will age really well. Yeah. Because it's yeah. not making any overt claims. It's just kind of showing these universal emotional truths. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, the way it's just kind of flattening the reality of of now with the realities of the 40s and just making that um, feel so seamlessly something um kind of out of time i think i think that's just kind of incredible um but it also yeah. feels in time it's very weird. i know i know because we um, never like see phones right so like it yeah it never yeah. dates itself yeah yeah um there's just vans and ships and buildings yes yeah. i think i've probably already said three times in this conversation that like it moves those events to like now but like i don't think there's any like even any specific indication that it's like 2018 you're right because it doesn't go out of its way to show any of that um there's but no it feels like now. calendars it, it just but feels like thing. it yeah when we watch it in 2028 it might still feel like now and that's exactly. what's cool because i think you're totally right it feels like now right now yeah. and it might feel like now then too yeah yeah um yeah it's it's kind of a cool he uh i think i, I heard an interview that he kind of talks about his movies and trilogies and um the last two were kind of interesting one one was called phoenix which yep. is a, a world war have you seen that one i haven't i just i saw that i needed to watch it yeah like, i need to watch all of his films it's super cool it's uh, um, a um a, a woman um a, a jewish woman if i'm remembering this correctly um is um so i should pair it with ida you're saying well, that could be interesting. Yeah, is uh, sent to an, uh, a concentration camp. Oh, happy for um, God. Really happy, <laughs> upbeat stuff. Um, manages to escape, but has some kind of like facial reconstruction surgery hmm. and returns to her husband, who was actually the one who sold her out. Um, and, and he doesn't recognize her. He just says, you look so much like her. Um, 
So it's this, you know, similar kind of continuation of like identity swaps that we get in transit. And then um, in the the next one called Barbara, there's a woman yep. in Eastern Europe trying to um, escape to Western Europe. Again, kind of, I mean, that's so transit. You uh, should pair that with Cold War people. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, great point. Actually, that would that would be a great double feature. Um, but I read that the um, I, I see a lot of universalities between uh, what is it Pavlowski? Is that his name? As a I, the Cold that War, is as good as I can say it. Yeah. The, the Cold War director. I I saw a lot of visual similarities between yeah. him and this director. Oh yeah. Um, Continue. Sorry. Oh yeah. Well. I heard him say that his next trilogy was going to be something very different, which was all going to be steeped in mythology and fairy tales. And I was like, holy smokes, that is like right up Taylor's alley. <laughs> Yay. It's <laughs> pretty cool. Please tell me it's um, going to be ghost stories, too. There you go. So we yeah, got some cool Yermo del Toro double pairings on the future, it sounds like. Mm-hmm. Pretty all cool right. stuff. Well, I think that's it for transit. Let's uh, transition into recording the next episode. All right. So long, folks. See you shortly. That was terrible. Let's do that again. That was there it. it is. Run! Go! Get to the chopper! We have to go. I'm coming with you. That was brilliant.